the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, February the 23rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 23, 1836, the siege at the Alamo had begun San Antonio, Texas. I've been there. I visited that one time. Marjorie and I did. It's kind of interesting. It gives you a, a stark reality of history in the country. That was today. It started today, 1836. Today in 1861, President-elect Abraham Lincoln arrived secretly in Washington to take the oath of office. It was following word of a possible assassination plot in Baltimore, so they had to sneak him into town to keep him alive. Today in 1870, Mississippi was readmitted to the Union. Today in 1903, President Theodore Roosevelt signed an agreement with Cuba to lease the area around the Guantanamo Bay in, to the United States. We still have a presence there, as you probably know. Today in 1942, the first shelling of the U.S. mainland during World War II occurred as a Japanese submarine fired on an oil refinery near Santa Barbara, California. didn't cause much damage, but that was the first of several attempts to fire on the mainland of America, of the United States. Today, in 1945, during World War II, U.S. Marines on Iwo Jima, they captured the mountain there, and uh, they raised two American flags. The second flag raising, that was captured by an Associated Press photographer, and that's the one that you see so often. In fact, there are bronze castings of that and uh, all kinds of paintings and pictures, and so on. it just became an iconic uh, image of victory for the United States. That happened today. The real act of planting those flags happened today in 1945. Today, in 1954, there was a mass inoculation of school children against polio using the Salk vaccine. The first episode of that where kids were gathered into a big hall was in Pittsburgh. 5,000 students were vaccinated. And then they vaccinated kids all across the country. Ten years ago today, in a major policy reversal, the Obama administration said it would no longer defend the constitutionality of the Defense of Marriage Act. You will recall that that was a federal law banning recognition of same-sex marriage. Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, took credit for that. He said that he kind of outed Barack Obama, President Obama, Joe Biden said he'd been in favor of same-sex marriage for a long time. He thought that it was just as the same as and equal to any other marriage arrangement between a man and a woman. And he said people have a right to marry whom they love. And so he kind of nudged Barack Obama, who probably agreed with him in theory, but didn't really want to get out into the, into the um, open with it at that time. But Joe Biden, he grinned and told that story at least a dozen times that I saw on the news. 
Ten years ago today, the Obama administration attacked marriage, which is the most foundational component of life and family as we know it, because God created marriage to be between one man and one woman. And they were to raise children, and God called that a family. And that is the cornerstone of human society. And yet we have attacked that. And we're attacking other foundational principles as well. It's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, I, I, yesterday, on yesterday's program, I quoted Ryan T. Anderson. I quote him from time to time because he's, he's really a smart guy. I don't think I've ever met him. I don't remember that I have. But he's a smart guy. He's a younger guy. But um, he has been, for the last number of years, a scholar at the Heritage Foundation. He is now the newly elected president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C. He's written several books, but the one that has is really creating a dust-up this morning is a book that he wrote back in 2018. It's, it's titled, When Harry Met Sally. And it's a Christian biblical response to the transgender movement. And uh, it's been widely read. A lot of people have bought the book and read it. If you haven't read it, if you want to know or need to know more about that particular issue, it's a good book to read. However, the problem is that Anderson and other people working with him found out this morning that uh, Amazon has removed his book. You can't buy it at Amazon. (laughs) And it's a best-selling book because they have decided that it should not be in the marketplace. He only found out about it because people started contacting his office in D.C. today or yesterday and telling him that they were trying to buy his book and and it was gone from Amazon. It's not out of stock. But even the pages to purchase used copies, you know how when you go on Amazon, you can look at a book and then they always have that other page or that other option there where you can buy used books for, you know, a buck 25 or whatever it is. They've even taken down that page on that particular book. You also cannot purchase it for Kindle or audible versions of the book on the website. It's all gone. He sent out an email yesterday saying that when his book was released three years ago, it was criticized twice on the New York Times editorial page, even though it was a bestseller. Washington Post ran a hit piece on him, and uh, he said they challenged it legally, and the Washington Post had to back down and rewrite their article that was intended just to take down uh, Anderson in this book. Now Amazon, Amazon has removed it. They've just said, nope, that's not acceptable. So we won't allow the public to read that. You think those kinds of things happened a long time ago in a different place. But now they're happening here. That's the country that we are becoming. Because the foundations of this nation are being attacked. Ten years ago today, Barack Obama attacked marriage. With Joe Biden smiling and taking credit, standing beside him. Now Joe Biden's in the White House and I in the Oval Office, and I don't know for sure how much he's aware of what's going on around him. I really don't. And I say that honestly, not critically, but honestly. I think sometimes he's not very well attached to what's happening around him. But I can assure you that the people that are handling Joe Biden 
They know what's going on. And they are a group of people who could not on their own get elected to anything in America nationally because they are so far left and so crazy progressive that the American people simply would not have elected them. You say, well, Gary, I think you're overstating. No, I'm not. Kamala Harris is now vice president of the United States. She couldn't even win. She couldn't even stay in the primary election of her own Democrat Party. She couldn't even stay in the primary elections just this past election, the 2020 election, long enough to be in the race when the primaries were held in her own state of California. That's how weak she was as a candidate because she is the most far left or was, she's resigned now as because she's vice president, but she was the most, the most liberal, most far left U.S. senator in the Senate. According to this organization that they kind of measure the progressivism of, of all of the um, senators every year, they put out a report. She was number one. America didn't want her. But she has, through sleight of hand, and I want to talk more about that today, she has become really the moving force behind Joe Biden, she and others. I'm not the only one that's noticed this. In fact, 54% of all voters told Rasmussen that they believe Biden is a puppet, that he's not really running the country. He's acting like he is. He's walking around. He's wearing a blue suit. He looks presidential most of the time. He doesn't sound very presidential, but he looks that way. But if a majority of Americans, this is from all parties, 54% of all of us across this great nation believe that he's a puppet. They don't believe. I don't either. I agree. I'm part of that 54%. I wasn't included in this poll, but it, had I been, I would be part of that. I don't believe he's running this country. Is it? But who is? Is it the deep state? Is it the media? Is it Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer? Hollywood? All of those people are trying to run America, and they all probably have a piece of the presidency. But I want to talk to you a little bit more about what's really going on in our country as I see it. You could disagree with me, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. Is there really a deep state? I'm not a person that gets drawn deep into conspiracy theories. There's too many of them out there, and too many times, particularly with the Internet, as developed as it is, um, and I say that in a more of a negative than a positive sense, but it's highly developed. There's so much out there that people believe, and it's not true, but it's on the Internet. There's too much information available sometimes for our own good. But there's an abundance of evidence that there really is a deep state. Back in 2017, the idea of there actually being a deep state bubbled to the mainstream surface with an article in Politico. Now, Politico is not a conservative publication. Politico suggests, as you would see from its name, that they're about politics, and they are. But they verified that there is a kind of a deep state in our government, as though they had just discovered it. It's been there a long time, actually. One that doesn't change, a deep state that doesn't change with elections. They noted, 2017 in Politico, 
They said, quote, at a conference in mid-July, Barack Obama's CIA director, John Brennan, remarked that executive branch officials have an obligation, they're quoting Brennan now, who at the time was CIA director, he's now a talking head on CNN, but the executive branch officials have an obligation, he was saying, in 2017, to refuse to carry out outrageous and anti-democratic orders from President Donald Trump. Trump had just been elected and inaugurated. Well, these comments were quickly caught up the attention of Rush Limbaugh. All this is in Politico back in 2017. They say Rush Limbaugh caught the attention of this He saw nothing less than a threat to the republic. Politico says that, noting that the now late rush bellowed on the air, that there were certain people embedded in the Pentagon, State State Department, and various intelligence agencies who were orchestrating a coup. I remember that. I remember that Rush did say those things. He was talking about it then. He should have been. I'm glad he was. The article admits that there really is a deep state of sorts. And it really does transcend our elected officials. The article is lengthy. I wrote an article about what I'm talking about right now, and I included a link to that article if you're interested. You can go to it at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website, faithandfreedom.us. You can read that article and a lot of other sources that I'm using today to talk about this subject. But if 54% of the all voters believe Biden is not the real president, who is in their minds? Well, Rasmussen, when they took this survey just the other day, they, they said, as a result of this, they said less than a month after President Joe Biden's inauguration, most voters believe the Democrat is a puppet of the radical left and not the moderate nice guy he was portrayed as being during the election campaign. The survey found that, as I said, 54% of voters agreed with that statement. Joe Biden's not a moderate nice guy that they made him out to be, they believe, these folks who were part of this survey. He's a puppet of the radical left. Only 40% of the people polled disagreed with that, interestingly enough. A majority of Americans apparently believe that the actors on the radical political left who could have never been elected in their own right, put their support behind moderate, so-called, quote-unquote, Biden, helping carry him into the Oval Office, that accomplished his lifelong dream. He said it often, particularly after he was beginning to win in the primaries at the tail end of it. He said, my dream since I was a young man has been to be president of the United States. Well, that's a noble dream, but He's never suggested that he had any real agenda beyond achieving his personal dream. It's always been about him. It's never been about the country. I'm not suggesting he doesn't love his country. I don't know what's in his heart. But I do know what he's been saying. And he's always talked about his dream. His dream to become a a congressman or senator. His dream to become president of the United States. That's great. Young people should dream. But has he ever had a vision for America? It doesn't seem that he has because he's never expressed it. And he certainly didn't during the campaign when he was edging up and then finally defeating all of his colleagues on the Democrat primaries. He never laid it really never laid out a a plan, a vision for America. He often shares his dream publicly, but never shares his vision. 
His vision finally coalesced around the idea of reversing all of Trump's policies. And that has been his mantra since he became president of the United States. The dream seems to end with his being seated behind the great resolute desk in the Oval Office. No vision beyond reversing Donald Trump and canceling him. And that's where VP Harris and Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and AOC and all of these other ship of fools. You know what the ship of fools is. It's an allegory. It's originating from book six of Plato's Republic. It's about a ship of fools. They were Plato wasn't all that excited about democracy because he said it always self-destructs. He said you get everybody in there and you don't have anybody that's a skilled driver of a ship, a ship captain, but everybody wants to drive the ship and it becomes a ship of fools. He said that's what happens in a democracy. That's why he was an advocate of republic, of a republic. And our founders listened to him to a degree. But they had to insert democracy into our country as well. And he was making the case, Plato, way back in his day, referring to it as a ship of fools. It was in the idea, in the trial section of of this uh, book number six, where that argument was made, and they were saying, um, they were saying that that a a democracy is a wonderful idea, but they always self-destruct. It's not utopian. It's not a pathway to utopia, because the people, we the people, are in charge, and we are in a democracy, and that's wonderful. But we the people have very devious ideas, and sometimes when we get power, we use those ideas that are contrary to the nation that we seek to serve as a public servant in politics. And therefore, there's all kinds of stupid people, fools, he called them, driving the ship. And none of them are prepared to do so. They don't have the experience. So this became a sort of ship of fools, of people who really can't become elected. A Warren, all these people, they all tried but they couldn't get elected. They couldn't even win their party. But now they have Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is achieving his dream. He's living the dream, sitting at the resolute desk, the most powerful desk in the world, in the most powerful position in the world. But VP Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, all of these guys are running around with a smile on their face because now they have the Oval Office. But the elephant in the room, as they say, is not those people, although they're influencing him mightily. I mean, he's doing their beck and call. He is. He's doing what he would have never suggested he would do as a candidate. But the elephant in the room that everybody sees and nobody's talking about much until now is Barack Obama. Barack Obama mandated that Kamala Harris become vice president. Oh, it was a whisper, but it was his choice. Town Hall put out a cartoon yesterday. I included it in my article today. It's a cartoon of Biden, Joe Biden, President Biden, sitting at the Resolute desk. It's a cartoon in the Oval Office. On the one hand, there's Barack Obama's got a handful of Biden's hair pulling him over to his side of the desk. While he's got his other hand on his shoulder, directing him, and a caricature of Kamala Harris is standing on the other side, holding Biden's hand with a pen in it, 
and she is signing with his hand all of these policies that he's coming out with, and they are legion in the first few days of his presidency. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. That cartoon speaks 10,000 words. Meet the new president of the United States, Barack Obama. Wayne Root wrote, wrote an article yesterday, and in it he said, Trust me, I was Obama's classmate at Columbia University. I know how he thinks. I understand his plan. This is the Coward Piven plan that we learned about at Columbia almost 40 years ago. Now, what he's talking about there is the Calvert, Cal, uh, Cloward uh, Piven plan. It's a political strategy. It's written by a socialist husband and wife team. Both of them were professors at uh, Columbia University, Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven. It's rooted in the teaching of Saul Alinsky. I've talked about Alinsky quite a bit on this program. And before him, Karl Marx. It was created as a blueprint for what um, what it would take to bring down America, the West in general, but America specifically. So that's what it's really about. And it's very clear. I mean, it's not it's not shaded or veiled. It's just, here's how to bring down America. In short, it's a, it's a whole study. It's a course that they taught at Columbia University, and it's still being taught. It's called the Cloward-Piven Plan. In short... It calls for overloading our welfare system by giving everything to everybody until our capitalistic system collapses under its own weight. We just can't print any more money. It can then be replaced by socialism under any other guise. We can call it what we want, and it'll be socialism will replace capitalism. And it'll give everyone a guaranteed annual income. Have you remember when that kept coming up in the Democrat primaries? And there were people, Elizabeth Warren was saying it, Bernie Sanders was going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, well, I think we should look at, you know. And they were all sort of giving a nod to that, not wanting to talk about it out loud, but wanting to kind of code all of the far left of, hey, we're into this. This is what we want. That's all rooted really in Marxism and then later Alinsky, Saul Alinsky's teaching, and and then ultimately in this Cloward-Piven plan that, as I said, is taught in not only Columbia now, but other colleges as well. So it's how to bring down the capitalistic system. So when you know this and you don't have to, you know, be an expert on this plan. But if, when you're aware of it and you know that this is being taught to our young generations going through public schools and private as well in many cases, uh, it makes sense when you see them running the debt beyond. I mean, you can't even see the peak of our debt anymore in America. And so this is what this is about. I mean, I don't know if these guys that are doing this are all aware and have bought into this plan, but they're being used by it whether or not they agree with it. Ultimately, capitalism will collapse if you keep doing what they're doing. And these guys on the left are counting on that, and they're ready with a replacement. So that's what this is really all about. There's an article that was written by Fox News a few years ago. They published it. I, I can't remember what date, but it was, I don't know, four or five years ago. It isn't current. But Glenn Beck wrote the article. It's a very good article. I included that as well in the article that I wrote today, just as a resource. But Root says, Wayne Root, in his article yesterday, 
He said, this is the third term of Obama. In his first two terms, Obama tried his best to destroy the economy, high-paying jobs, health care, the U.S. energy industry, the great American middle class, our relationship with Israel, American exceptionalism and capitalism itself. He said he damaged it, Root says, but he fell short. He didn't quite accomplish his goal. To even a casual observer, Biden's actions certainly reflect Obama's agenda. And why not? If Biden's dream ends when he enters the Oval Office, why would he really care what kind of legislation his colleagues on the left, no matter how far left, how radical left, puts on this country? We deserve whatever we get because we're racist, after all. And all of the rest of what's wrong with us falls at the feet of those conservatives. Root makes a good point. In fact, I went through and made a list of some of the things that Biden has done since he was become president. They're what Barack Obama was either doing or talking about doing just a few years ago. Open borders, no more border wall, halt certain deportations, legalize millions of illegal aliens, include illegal aliens in the U.S. Census, once into the country, give them the right to bring in their relatives, whether they have no education, skills, background checks, are they diseased? <laughs> Ban the use of the word alien? Actions and economic policy about racism? I mean, how much have we heard about racism, systemic racism? Everybody's racist. Even Abraham Lincoln is racist now. They're tearing down his statues or they're wanting to. Social justice, racial equality, declare climate change. Climate change is now about racism. And racism is systemic. In America, restart the Iran nuclear treaty. Give the mullahs everything they want. Let them live their dream, just like Joe Biden is. Endanger our best friend Israel's existence. Get absolutely nothing in return. Underscore the revised policies of the U.S. Wait for over a month into the presidency before this president even called the prime minister of Israel. A month. So Israel's enemies are assured. They got the message that will no longer have the back of Israel. And then go out and kill the lucrative U.S. energy industry. Kill all of those things, the Keystone Pipeline, and just on and on and on, energy jobs. Re-enter the Paris Climate Agreement. You know the drill. I mean, there's many. I've got more on my list. But ban the use of the term China or Wuhan virus. End the trade war with China. Give China access to the U.S. energy grid. We're all in this together. We're a global village. And anything else they want, they need. You can see where this is going. And I would suggest that probably Hunter and brother James Biden to Joe, unbeknownst to Joe Biden, doesn't know a thing about this. Of course, they're probably making the deals of their life as we speak today. The psalmist in chapter 11 wrote, Psalm 11, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? He wrote that the enemy bends their bow with the arrow made ready, ready to shoot secretly at the upright in heart. That's what's happening in America today. The enemy is no longer creeping in the shadows, though. They're out in this plain sunlight. You can see them. And the bow is drawn and the arrow is pointed. So what do we do? The psalmist said, while the birds, birds flee to the mountains, God's people put their trust in the Lord. And that's exactly what you and I are going to have to do as we go forward, simply put our trust in the Lord.
Thank you for your support. We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. See you tomorrow.